Hey everybody, how's it going? How's the weekend? All's well in your world? Wishing that your week is off to a good start as I deliver more sports talk here on the J Reels podcast. I am your host, J Reels. If this is your first time tuning in, I welcome you aboard on this journey throughout the sports universe as I talk to you about everything that's going on the diamond, the gridiron, the ice, the hardwood, the golf course, tennis track, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels podcast always comes correct, directed, and in full effect. And if there's more than your first rodeo, then welcome back. I will be delivering everything that's going on in the world of sports for today, Monday, August the 6th in the year of our Lord, 2018. Glad you're able to not only download, but also listen to this podcast as I will cover everything from the situation happening in Ohio State with Urban Meyer. Also, some football news and notes, especially here locally, whether it's Oda Beckham Jr. not getting a contract as camp is in full swing. And also Sam Darnold. Chances are that he is the front runner for getting the starting position as a New York Jet quarterback. We'll get into that a little bit. But first, a little history lesson as we get into baseball. Next month will be 40 years, 4-0, since the famous series that took place in Fenway Park between the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. And you must wonder, why am I bringing this up, Jay Reels? I mean, this is 40 years ago. Why, what does that have to do with today? Well, for the Yankee fan that was around at that time, the series up in Boston, which I believe was September 8th through the 11th, it was a series where the Yankees had crawled back from a 14-game deficit in the American League East that summer. Started, I believe it was around July 19th, somewhere around there. So imagine... You're a Yankee fan, 14 games behind. And remember, no wild card. This was strictly division. So now you go to Boston, down four games. You've made up 10 games in the standings between mid-July and early September. And then you go up to Boston, needing four games to draw even with the Red Sox, who had a tremendous season. And we all know how it ended, the one-game playoff at Fenway, and, of course, the Yankees going on to win a World Series. But with that series in Boston where the Yankees pummeled the Red Sox to draw even in the American League East, they noted that series as the Boston Massacre. Well, this past weekend wasn't anything close to that as far as the score, because part of the reason why they called that series the Boston Massacre is because the Yankees went in there and just outplayed them and obliterated not only the lead, but just that whole series on a whole. Because... That series, I believe after the first two games, the Yankees outscored them 28-5. to I believe they won game three behind Ron Guidry 7-0, and then they won 7-4 that Sunday to complete the sweep. So granted that this past series up in Fenway wasn't anything close to that as far as the scores are concerned, unless you want to look at the first game, 15-7, to where the Red Sox got three home runs from Stephen Pierce and pretty much carried after them being spotted Four nothing lead, the Yankees, Red Sox just steamrolled from there and then pretty much carried that wave throughout the rest of the weekend behind starting pitching performances by Rick Porcello on Friday, Nathan Ivaldi on Saturday, and culminated in what was just a gut wrenching, heartbreaking loss that the Yankees absolutely had to have before they head off to the Windy City to play the Chicago White Sox, and. If you're a Yankee fan, I'm sure this morning you're licking your wounds. You never, ever want to lose to the Red Sox, let alone four games, to put yourself nine and a half games behind first place, 
Seven in the loss. Got to remember that. Seven in the loss is the, the key number there. But you would think for all intents and purposes that here we are again, August 6th, that the division race is over. Because as we all know, the Red Sox have just been a juggernaut over the last couple of months and all season long, of course, but even more so. I mean, they never seem to lose. And last night was indicative of that considering they had a one nothing lead late eighth inning where you had the big Bogarts error which opened up the floodgates for the Yankees to score four runs. And then at that point, I actually went to bed. I figured, all right, well, the Yankees are going to get their one game. Good for them. But it just so happened when I got up this morning and I look on the ESPN app and I see 5-4 in 10 innings that the Red Sox prevailed, I couldn't believe it. You know, Chapman did not have a good ninth. I understand the big error there by Miguel Andujar, which would have ended the game. But him going back on that ball, flat-footed, throw, threw the ball across the diamond to short-hop Greg Bird to get the tying run to score. And then Ben Attendee ices the game in the 10th with an RBI single. And the Red Sox fans rejoice. The Yankee fans and the Yankees certainly have to pull up their bootstraps and continue this season because although these four games were crucial as to where this division was going to go, but right now you still have a lead in the wild card by plenty and your focus shouldn't be on the Red Sox right now. It's got to be on this team. And they're going to go to Chicago and play a White Sox team that's just awful. One of the worst three teams in the American League if you want to look at the Orioles and also the Royals for that matter. But recapping this weekend, can you say this was a Boston massacre? To a certain degree, only because they probably will put a stake through the Yankees' hearts as far as them winning a division. And as we all know, in 2018, you certainly want to win your division and not have to deal with a one-game wild card as we've seen here locally in the past, that doesn't guarantee you anything. And in fact, it doesn't even feel like you're in a postseason. When you look at the 2015 Yankees losing to the Astros 3-0 and the 2016 New York Mets losing to the Giants 3-0. So the Yankee fan right now could look at this and say, oh, you know, our season's over. Or, oh, you know, we're not going to win a division. Or, geez, we're probably going to lose to Oakland or Seattle, the wild card. There's still a lot of baseball to be played. And I'm not going to sit here And everybody knows that I am not a Yankee fan, far from it. But I'm objective to know that this team still has a lot of baseball left in them. And obviously had some key pieces out. No Aaron Judge, no Gary Sanchez. So when you look at this remaining part of the schedule, I don't want to sit here and give cliches out one game at a time. Oh, you never know. And right, as John Sterling puts it best, that's baseball, Susan. This team still has a 68-42 and record, still is in control of their own destiny. And on top of all that, the main thing is, when you look at the big picture for this ball club, is that they may face this Red Sox team again, if they win a wild card, of course, in a five-game series, which actually may bode well for them more so than the Red Sox. And I'll get to that in a minute. And I understand... I'm looking down the road, I'm looking far ahead, and you can't do that in any sport, let alone baseball. But these last four games were indicative as to where the Red Sox are and where the Yankees are. You know, if you're looking at the standpoint of a lineup that 
is very balanced in the Red Sox. And as we all know, the Yankees, when everybody's healthy, they probably have the best lineup in baseball. But the thing is, is that when you have a Red Sox team that just seems to be resourceful, that seems to get players to play well above the back of their baseball cards, a la Stephen Pierce, who hit four home runs and three in that first game, as I mentioned earlier. When you have guys that just scratch, claw, no matter what it is. You know, even a guy in the first game like Ian Kinsler, the guy that got at the deadline from the Angels. And I understand he left the game yesterday, but, you know, you have guys like that who are hungry, who know that they're on this team looking to do big and special things. And it's not to say the Yankees aren't. But because the record as it stands today and where they're at, it makes you think that could this be that type of season that the Red Sox and their fans have always imagined. And what I mean by that is when the Red Sox won their titles back in 04, 07, and 13, right, were they very good seasons? Were they great seasons? Obviously, if it's a great season when it culminates with a world championship. But the regular seasons, you're not going to think back and say, oh, yeah, that 2004 team, they were lights out. Or the 2007 team, same for the 13 team. And we all know it's about championship banners. It's not about regular seasons. But could you imagine if the Red Sox, on this carpet ride that they're on, if it were to lead to a fourth title in the last 14 years, you know, a lot of people are thinking this is the best Red Sox team ever. Could it possibly be one of the best teams ever? That remains to be seen. I'm not going to get carried away. I'm not going to look at it from a standpoint of, oh, geez, you know, what they did this weekend, they're certainly going to catapult themselves into that argument. Again, tons of baseball to be played. Remember what happened to the 2001 Seattle Mariners? I rest my case. But going back to the Yankees, despite the fact that they have the injuries, despite the fact that the starting rotation is thin, despite the fact that coming off a Lost to the Orioles last Wednesday, which was inexcusable. Sonny Gray demoted to the bullpen. And now they're at a losing streak where it's at five. You certainly can't look at it as the ship is sinking. You can't look at it as, oh, geez, what's going on? And I get that this is a big test for Aaron Boone right now to make sure that this doesn't unravel and start to fall apart at the seams. But remember the league that they play in. They're in an American league, which is very top-heavy. We all know who the teams are. Oakland is now taking Seattle for the second wild card. So whomever that second team is going to be, whether it will be at the end of the season, Seattle or Oakland, they're going to play the Yankees in a one-game playoff because nobody else is anywhere near them. Not going to worry about the Angels. Certainly not going to worry about any team in the AL Central. And huh, Blue Jays, uh, please. Or the Rays. So all the Yankees have to do is just take care of business. And I understand the one-game playoff is the thing where people are going to look at it and say, oh, you never know, it's a crapshoot, which it is. And you can't diminish that. Just like I mentioned earlier to the 2015 Yankees and the 2016 Mets because you could have a season where the Yankees could still win 100 games or come close to it, and it could all come crashing down at the stadium or in Oakland or in Seattle, wherever that game is played, and – this wonderful season that had so many moments, and we all know seasons have ebbs and flows, but as it's constituted right now, at 68-42, and 42, the Yankees are having a tremendous season. But 
if for some way, shape, or form that it fizzles and goes up in smoke some night in early October, this season is going to be a complete waste. And we certainly can't look that far ahead. As much as I want to talk about that and even get to a five-game series with the Red Sox and the Yankees and any psychological factors that are built into that, no, because the Yankees and Red Sox still have six more games to play at the end of September. And who knows where they're going to be at the standings at that time. And who knows, hey, what if the Yankees are six back and somehow, someway they sweep those six games? Is that likely? Of course not. But as I said earlier, that's baseball. So without getting too far ahead, and I understand I've kind of been back and forth on this, but that's why we have these discussions. That's why we have these debates. You kind of wonder. And the Yankees right now just have to worry about staying within themselves playing the baseball that they've played pretty much from game 19 to about three weeks ago because they've pretty much been a 500 team ever since that great stretch in the middle where they were playing like the Red Sox are playing now, that they were never going to lose or rarely lose. And you're going to have these types of moments and seasons. You certainly don't want it to happen against your division rival. But if you're a Yankee fan – I don't even want to hear that you're anywhere close to the ledge ready to jump to say that the season is already up in smoke. Because you would, A, need to get your head examined, and B, you still have plenty of baseball to play. And, right, do you have to righten the ship to kind of get that swagger, that confidence back? Absolutely. But if you're going to look at this stretch here that they played and feel as if, oh my God, this season is going to go the other way. It's going to go you know, pretty much from a disastrous route to the wild card game and then we're not going to win. Uh, you need to relax. Because you're going to get your players back in Sanchez and Judge. Who knows what you're going to get from Sanchez, as we know. He's just had a horrific year behind the plate and even at the plate, despite the fact that he's Always a runner in scoring position whenever he stands in the batter's box. You know, do you worry about Glaber Torres a little bit? Kind of see a little Robinson Cano about him. Not that he loafs that much, but you know, you look at some plays that he's made in the past weeks, especially the other day, that Friday night game where at three to one, he gets that ball that goes right under his glove, or three nothing, I should say, and the ball goes right under his glove, which the runner wouldn't have scored, would have held him at third. But you know, those are key runs. You can't give up those runs in any type of game, let alone a big series, let alone a game like that where every run is precious. So even though you're seeing some chinks in the armor with this Yankee team, I, for one, I'm not, why would I be worried about him? I certainly don't root for him. I could care less. But at the same time, I got to call it as I see it. This team has a comfortable lead, and I get it that it could all fall apart. It could all unravel. And people could say right now, oh, it's unraveling now. But again, who is the other threat for the wild card that's going to overtake the Yankees to, let's say, get the number one wild card? Is it going to be Seattle? Is it going to be Oakland? And if that, are you going to be shaking in your boots when you play against those guys? I understand you can't underestimate any major league team because if you're the Yankees, I mean, look how you played against the Orioles and Rays this year. And that would be a concern. But you don't worry about that until you get to that point. And for people 
talking about the wild card right now, and I get it, that's probably where the Yankees are going to be. But let's just get to October and worry about the game then. Don't worry about, oh, geez, that's it. Now we're not going to win a division. We're going to have to worry about the wild card game. Uh, listen, if I'm a Met fan. My season's been over since June. I would love to worry about playing a wild card game. And I'm sure there are 24 other teams w- wishing the same thing. And again, we're only on August 6th. There's still a ton of baseball to be played. Does that mean that the Yankees are going to catch the Red Sox and win a division? No. The chances of that right now are very slim. Now, I expect the Red Sox, they at some point, they got to cool off. They're going to have a stretch where they're probably going to lose whatever it may be. You know, 11 to 15 or whatever it is. You know, to keep up this kind of play all season long, I mean, you're gonna then you're going to talk about them as if they're one of the best teams of all time. But, you know, as sports fans and... The people in the media, they look at all these. We're prisoners of the moment. You know, we always have to compare certain teams to teams of the past. We always got to look at certain situations and compare to something that happened recently or to, to look ahead, which is even worse. You know, just because a team like the Red Sox are playing the way they are, right away they want to champion them to be in the best of all time. You know, what happened with the Golden State Warriors uh, three years ago? Or two years ago, I should say, in 2016. 73 and 9, oh, the greatest NBA team of all time, up 3 1 in an NBA final. How did that turn out? You know, I get that we're always looking to anoint that team or anoint that player as the next so and so. And, you know, you just got to let it play out. Just like the Yankee fan right now, you just got to let it play out. You can't get too high, you can't get too low. You only hope to play consistent, play good ball, and when the money's on the line, you only hope that your players or your teams deliver and therefore deliver a championship because that's what it's all about. And people could look at me and say, well, Jay Reels, you know, it's easy for you because you root for those stupid Mets, but here we are, the Yankees, you know, we, we haven't won a title in nine years and look at the way this team's been constructed and so on and so forth. Well, it's not a God-given right that you're going to be in the World Series every year, Yankee fans. And I understand that you've had phenomenal success this year and you've had all these crazy walk-off wins in the middle of the season. And But again, it, it is 162 games. There's still plenty of baseball to be played. I can't stress it enough. And when I see or read or hear the Yankee fan just babbling or moaning or griping about, oh, well, we didn't have Judge or we didn't have this player. Or, oh, you know, we just need another starting pitcher. Or, oh, God, you know, we need to – Bring in a Manny Machado over. It's please. It's just typical. And it's pretty sickening, to be honest with you. But at the same time, it's just let it play out. You never know. That's why you watch sports. That's why we're fascinated by it. Now, watch the Yankees. They're going to Chicago, sweep them, and then the Yankee fan will have their mojo back. And then the Yankees are going to have a long homestand coming up. I believe it's a 10-gamer, 11-gamer, because they're going to play the next Met, the Mets next Monday, excuse me, where they have Toronto uh, coming in this week. Oh, I believe Texas is coming in this weekend, and they have Toronto the, the following weekend. Off the top of my head, I can't remember who's sandwiched in between, but you have a long homestand. So you, you figure you go play at Progressive Field, whatever. No, Progressive is in Cleveland. U.S. Cellular, to me, it's always going to be Comiskey. I hate when they rename these ballparks. To me, it's Comiskey Park because when you think of the White Sox, you think of Comiskey. 
you figure they got to get healthy there. And then you come home where the Yankees have been dominant at home. And hopefully you have a killer homestand. And then you get your mojo back and off you go. So you just kind of see where you're at, hopefully by the end of the month. And if you happen to be within striking distance of the Red Sox in late September, you worry about it then. You can't even think about the Red Sox right now if you're a Yankee fan. If you still have any hopes of winning a division, just uh -uh, 86 that right now because you're just setting yourself up for failure. Just go about your business, keep winning series, away we go, and if by late September when the Red Sox come into Yankee Stadium, I believe was that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and you see where you're at in the standings, if you happen to be five back and you know that you need to sweep, then hey, you deal with it. If you're eight back, forget it. You're not going to win a division. So I understand the sky's falling and you wake up this morning or you went to bed last night and you couldn't even fall asleep and you, you look around and you say to yourself, oh, you know, our season's now kaput. You know, we're not going to have the magical season that we once thought we were. Well, if you're going to think that, I mean, then don't even watch baseball. You know, don't bother. So, without sounding like a broken record, you just go into Chicago tonight, play a sorry White Sox team, and hope that you could get healthy quick. And like I said, some home cooking, rattle off some wins or at least series victories, and you see where the chips fall and take it from there. That's it. I can't say it any more or any better than that. So Yankee fans, as I like to say, take a deep breath, just breathe, regroup. I'm sure you'll turn on yes tonight at 8 o'clock when the game starts and the Red Sox series is going to be long in your rearview mirror. Now, if they play poorly against the White Sox, then you got some major concerns. But again, let's see how it plays out. And obviously, we'll keep our eye on that. Before I turn our attention to some football, one thing I want to mention. I know everybody's sick of the Mets, and I'm not bringing up anything about the Mets, but one thing I do need to bring up about Matt Harvey, whose Cincinnati Reds are in town against the Mets here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The Mets were hoping, and this is just a, a microcosm of the Mets season, and also a microcosm of how Matt Harvey despises the New York Mets. You ready for this? So today, they want to have Mickey Calloway, who usually does a press conference around 3.45. Oh, I'm sorry. He usually does a press conference around 4 o'clock every day. You know, talk about the series, injuries, whatever. So they've asked Matt Harvey to either move up his press conference, because it's, of course, the first time he's going to meet the media as a member of the Reds, and first time back, obviously, in New York, they asked him to move up his press conference from 4 to either 3.45 or 4.15 to accommodate Mickey Calloway at 4 o'clock. So what did Matt Harvey suggest? I'll be there at 4 o'clock. Can't make it up. You can't make it up. Just goes to show how much disdain he has for this organization. And it's a shame he's not going to pitch. I mean, I think that, to me, that would have been great theater for Matt Harvey to come back, he had pitched Saturday. They had a day-night doubleheader against the Nationals. He got bombed. Four innings, five runs, nine hits. But who knows? With the way the Met offense is, I'm sure he would have come in here, pitched six innings, and it would have been you know, the dark night Matt Harvey. 
So no theater. You're not going to see Matt Harvey pitch on the mound. You're going to get some quotes from him at 4 o'clock today. And I'm sure other than that, you're not going to hear from him. So we'll see what he has to say about who knows. I'm sure they're going to ask him about his stay here, who he's in contact with, how he's feeling, et cetera. So that's all the Met news. And obviously from here on out, barring anything crazy, they're going to be irrelevant from here until the end of the season. So that's your uh, baseball people. As far as the football is concerned, uh, before I get to Urban Meyer, I'm going to save that for last. The uh, NFL stuff, the Giants right now trying to see if they could get a deal in place for Odell Beckham Jr. Not only wants to be the highest paid wide receiver, of course, once upon a time he said he wanted to be the highest paid player in the league, which we know that's never going to happen. But the talks have been stalled right now as his agent left, I believe, early this morning. Not coming away with a deal. You would think that the Giants at some point between now and the start of the season, maybe we'll come to some sort of agreement to extend Otto Beckham Jr. because he's not a, uh, after this year, he'll be a free agent. I'm sure he'll probably get franchised if they do not uh, get the numbers correct on both sides. But if you're the Giants, and their fans especially, you kind of wonder, do you want to have this guy on your team? Is this going to be a distraction? We all know the wondrous talent that he is. We also know that he's a headache, which most wide receivers are. And the longer this drags out, you kind of wonder, what is that going to do as far as the relationship between the front office and number 13? Obviously, it remains to be seen. We've seen these types of stalemates many times over in all the sports, you would only hope that they will get a deal done much sooner than later. But as it drags out, you know, what is Beckham's camp going to say? What are they going to do? I mean, of course, they're going to have plenty of leverage. We all know what type of numbers he puts up when he's healthy. Obviously, he had a shortened season last year due to the ankle that I believe was at week five when he was pretty much put on the shelf and inactive the rest of the season. But we all know he has... A little to prove on the health front to see how he's going to respond. And we know he's not going to get a lot of burn in this postseason considering that the first aggravation of his ankle started in that preseason game against Cleveland last year where a lot of people thought it was a dirty play, and it wasn't. But So the Giant fan and the Giants have to keep themselves concerned with arguably their most important player going into a final year of his contract knowing that he's probably going to have a monster year considering that Eli's coming to Cam in great shape. A lot of the report shows that obviously he's raring to go. And if he's raring to go and Beckham is going to be 100% and sitting on a monster year, we can only imagine what the discussion is going to be like between Dave Gettleman, the GM, even John Mara to a certain extent, and Odo Beckham Jr., So something to keep an eye on just as far as their relationship, what that means for the team, what that means in the locker room. If it doesn't become a distraction, are the players inundated by these questions, whatever it may be. Just something to keep note because the Giants are looking at a big season after a 3-13 last year. And if you ask me, is he going to stay? Who knows? I'm sure he wants to be here. I'm sure the Giants want him here. But again, it's going to boil down to what price. I know the numbers were 
somewhere 17, 18 million dollar range, which is what Antonio Brown is making. Julio Jones, we all know that he wanted to get his contract redone. He still has three more years on it, but he reported the camp. Sammy Watkins, who got a deal this offseason. And to think that his annual salary is $16 million, and I believe that the Giants came below that. Which, hey, you know, $15 million is nothing to sneeze at, that's for sure. But you're Odell Beckham Jr., and you know that you're one of the top two, three, four receivers in the game, and I'm sure he probably feels, and rightfully so, despite the fact as terrific of a player as Sammy Watkins is, I would think that pound for pound, Odell Beckham Jr. is better than Sammy Watkins. But now here you are at the crossroads, and you wonder where this stalemate can lead. So it's going to be interesting to watch here as we move forward. As far as the Jets, real quick, There are reports from sources saying that uh, he has a fair shot to start week one. Again, we haven't even played a game yet. And I'm sure he's shown a lot of poise and shown a little leadership there throughout training camp. I know the first game, I guess, is going to be Thursday, Friday. And I'm going to get to the preseason football in a second. The jet camp must feel as if he's looking like he's been in the league, you know, five, seven years. And if that's the case, that certainly bodes well for the Jets and obviously for the fans. But I wouldn't be too quick to rush this kid right to the start. I mean, if he deserves and wins the spot, then that's one thing. But if we haven't seen him in game action, and despite him, whatever efforts that he's put in the locker room, on the field here in practice so far, if it's paying big dividends, then... And obviously I'm not there, but if it's paying big dividends so far, well, that's great. But let's see him in some game action. And granted, he's going to probably go up against second and third string guys that aren't going to be in this league. But can we at least see him perform first before we even think about him? And I understand they're saying you get a fair shot. It's not like they're saying it's a guarantee. It's not as if they're saying it's a lock. But I would think... Let's get some game action under his belt first, and then we could determine whether or not, like, wow, wow, this kid does have the goods. He's showing that he could be the starter here in week one. I would think everybody has a fair shot to start week one. I'm sure Teddy Bridgewater has a fair shot to start, or even Josh McCown for that matter. But again, I understand it's training camp. You got to write stories. You got to put something in the paper or fill up your column on your blog or whatever it is, so I get it. But can we at least get this kid to – Get some game snaps first before we look to them and say, all right, this guy's going to be your starter week one there on a Monday night in Detroit. And people, I don't want to hear football's back yet because, and not because summer is slowly but surely dwindling away. It has nothing to do with that. But it just boggles my mind when I read on social media all these people, football's back, or hey, the real season's back, or the real sport is back. These games bore me to tears. I can't even watch these games. Now, when I was a 20-year-old, and I used to go to games out in the Meadowlands, especially when the Steelers played the Giants or watched the Steelers in preseason on TV at home, and this is in my mid-20s. Yeah, I would watch them because, yeah, I was thirsty for football. But as you get older and you see just how boring it is, and it is boring, I'm sorry. And I get that people want to see their first-round picks. They want to see what their the, their drafts are like, the, the guys that are going to play in these roles. But to, to, it does, to me, it doesn't mean anything. 
Because, again, these guys are going up against second, third string, maybe even some fourth string guys. And, right, I understand you can see raw ability. I understand you could kind of you could get a little glimpse or a measure of how this player could possibly turn out. But, again, you, you don't know. You know, it's like my brother, God bless him, I love him and everything, of course, Justin. When he watches some of these summer league games in the past with the Celtics, it's like, oh, this guy scored 20 and grabbed 18 rebounds. Uh, can I see that in a real game? Not in a rookie scrimmage, pretty much. And it's not to knock the player, and it's not to knock you know the contributions to the team. It's not to knock anything that they've done. But just like we mentioned about Sam Donald, can I see it in a, in a real game? So yeah, if everybody wants to go crazy about football and oh, it's back and oh, let's you know puff our chest out and pump the fist and get no no no, just get me to week one. If you want to watch the. Eagles Falcons that first Thursday there in uh, September. Okay, of course I'll keep an eye on it. I'll see what's happening. But uh, get me to that first Sunday of the football season, and off we go. Then at that point, let's do it. I'll be all ready, signed up, ready to go. I understand I'll have my Kleenexes ready out because summer is just about over and the football season begins. And not to say it's going to be twenty degrees in October, but bottom line. Once the football season kicks off, the real season, then I'll be there, focused, ready to go. And lastly, this situation with the Ohio State coach, Urban Meyer, and we all know his track record as far as what he's done on the field and the national titles in Florida and Utah before that. Not that he had a national title there, but of course was uh, the coach there. And here we are at Ohio State, and considering the situation where he is on paid administrative leave because of an incident that happened back in 2015 with assistant coach Zach Smith, the domestic violence deal with his uh, ex-wife Courtney, where they're now divorced. So him denying back then that, you know, I knew nothing about this, even though Zach Smith had mentioned that this has been conveyed to him. Uh, and then later on, I guess during the, Big 12 media day when questions were posed about it. And he manned up Urban Meyer to say that, you know, he failed. He wasn't prepared to answer these types of questions. I'm sure he was expecting everything football related. And then once he gets that curveball thrown at him and his inclination was just to kind of deflect it and hopefully move on to the next question. But look what happens. It snowballs into what it is now to the point where, the investigation is underway, and they're going to make a decision within the next two weeks. Well, there is a, I would think, in this day and age, the, the world we live in, it is a very likely possibility that Urban Meyer may not be the coach of this team. And who knows if he is going to be the coach of this team, what kind of outrage, not only just in that town of Columbus, but pretty much throughout the nation. Because when you look at recent events of things that have happened, whether it's Rick Patino in that situation and him being dismissed from Louisville, or even let's go back to Joe Paterno. May he rest in peace, but that whole Jerry Sandusky deal. You know, this is a time and place in the world where we live in, in this country, where these types of incidents are not going to be tolerated, whether it happened last week, in this case three years ago, or even 30 years ago. Because as we've seen in the entertainment industry in particular, now. You know, when these skeletons come out of the closet, 
no matter how long ago it may be, there are going to be some consequences and repercussions. And more often than not, it's not going to go well for the person that's it's being targeted to. And granted that Urban Meyer, he's the coach, and this has nothing to do with him. But if he's going to deny a report of a domestic violence incident with one of his coaches, and for him to just sweep it under the rug, and without really deeply going in there, you looked at the track record at the University of Florida and some of the things that have gone on there, which I'm not going to go through the whole laundry list. You could just Google Urban Meyer, University of Florida, and look at all the incidents with the players that he had coached over the years. And again, he had coached a tight end there in a one Aaron Hernandez. And I'm not here trying to report any incidents or issues that happened back then, but like I said, Google it. You'll see for yourself. Now you kind of wonder, is he going to be the coach of this team? I'd have to say right now, I'd be shocked if he is. And I get we're talking about the Ohio State University, one of the top football programs in the country, a team that won a national title in the last few years, a coach that, let's face it, is one of the top coaches this side of Nick Saban. I know people may argue that. But when it comes to anything that has to do with domestic violence or any type of sexual misconduct, assault, whatever it may be, that's a battle that you're not going to win. And even though it doesn't 100% pertain to you, because, of course, the coach, Zane Smith, has been fired. He was fired just last month. But now here it is. This incident happened in 2015. And it was swept under the rug pretty much until last month where I bet Urban Meyer was reluctant to have to let him go. But, of course, as I said before, in this world we live in, he had no choice but to do that. So now you kind of wonder, is Urban Meyer's head on the chopping block here? And they're gonna, they said within two weeks they're going to investigate all this, and it's going to be interesting. Are they going to take the whole two weeks? Whatever they investigate over the course of this 14-day period, are they going to act swift in the sense where if they feel they got enough information in the first six days, seven days, eight days, on that, on that ninth day they're going to make a decision or sooner, or are they going to max this sucker out? So it's going to be fascinating to see because, again, if this was a small university you know, somewhere in the middle of America – would people respond? Oh, I'm sure there'd be some response to it, but it's like, oh, this is, you know, so-and-so state, and eh, nobody cares, or whatever. Blank Tech, University of, I don't know, the University of uh, Folding Chair. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to make up a fictitious college, but you get my point. Would it make news? It would make news. But because it's A, Ohio State, and B, or 1A, if you want to call it that, Urban Meyer, yeah, this is going to be – everybody's going to wonder what's going to happen here. And listen, if it happened to Rick Pitino where he was let go, why can't this happen to Urban Meyer? And I understand those are two different situations. You know, not to rehash that whole Louisville situation, but, yeah, that was salacious and dirty and – right, absolutely. And as a coach, you should know about that. But because of the theme and because of – what this means, not only just to this country, but to women. 
this one is uh, it's going to be a, a tough battle. And obviously we'll all be here to kind of see how this unfolds over the next 14 days or sooner. But uh, Urban Meyer certainly, I'm sure, wondering where his football fate, not only just for here, but if there's another chapter in his football career, you know, this could also affect him in that regard. So obviously a lot to uh, chew on when it comes to uh, Urban Meyer and everything that's happening at Ohio State. All right, guys, that's pretty much going to be it for uh, the J Reels podcast this week. Pretty much quiet time in sports. I understand even with football starting up and baseball in the teeth of the dog days of August, uh, not much else to report here. But uh, as we get a little bit closer to, to the football season, even college football for that matter, we'll certainly have a lot more to uh, discuss. But we have a pennant race to deal with, and obviously the Yankees in the full mix of that. And who knows what's going to happen out of flushing over the course of the next uh, seven weeks. But certainly, if you tune here each and every Monday on the J Reels podcast, you'll get everything that's going on in the world of sports once again. And please feel free to go to my website, www.jreels.com, for any information regarding the program, regarding myself. For those who are tuning in for the first time, you'll get a uh, chance to see how I got into starting independently producing my own podcast and hosting, writing, editing, etc. This is one-man operation, people, so I'm uh, a man with uh, various hats. And, uh, of course, you can check me out on my social media profiles on uh, Instagram, J Reels, on Twitter, J Reels one also on Facebook at the J Reels Podcast. You can send me an email at the J Reels Podcast at gmail.com. Also, more importantly, people, please, Feel free to leave a rating, post a review on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, Obviously, the more response that I get from you guys, the listeners, everybody who downloads, listens, whether you use on your phone, which I would think more more people do more often than not here in this day and age, just go to your phone, hit podcasts. If you're on an iPhone or if you're on a Galaxy, go to the Google Play, whatever you get your podcast from. And please, leave a review, post a rating. That's only going to increase visibility for me and obviously generate a lot more popularity amongst the other sports podcasts in the universe. And obviously, you'll be able to attract more guests down the road uh, based on your participation. So I greatly appreciate that. I thank you twice more than once for, again, downloading and tuning into the program. And you could Definitely listen to me every week here, every Monday to kick off your week. Why not? After a long weekend or a good weekend, whatever it may be, you want to find out, hey, what's the first word that J Reels has to say to start off the week? Well, you certainly come to the right place as I deliver to you everything that's happening in the world of sports, gridiron, ice, hardwood, racetrack, golf course, tennis court, you name it, uh, each and every week here on the J Reels podcast. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, Peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the flip, baby.